You're listening to Sidious Playground, a podcast by Leadership Foundations. I'm Rick Enlow, and I'm here with Leadership Foundations President Dave Hillis. Hi, Rick. Dave, it's great to sit across the table from you, and you we're too. in our fourth episode of this series where we are reflecting and learning and remembering and uh, celebrating the uh, 40 years of Leadership Foundations. Yeah, it's uh, every time you uh, introduce it that way, I do have this moment of pause where it's like 40 years, <laughs> yeah. but it is, uh, it's just absolutely um, fun to be able to celebrate this. In fact, I was just on the phone with uh, Reed, our uh -huh. founder, last week and uh, talking through just some of these um, really critical uh, things that took place and how Reed would even say to this day, I mean, the fact that we are here 40 years later is a bit of a miracle it's a testimony you know in some ways a uh, a kind of uh, uh, demonstration of god's faithfulness so it's uh it's been very enjoyable to yeah. do this with you well i mean i agree with you too sometimes i'll see uh you know just the year 2018 and i'll go oh yeah i forgot about that mm -hmm. you know, like, you know mm -hmm. it's yeah. here and, yeah. and now it's uh halfway gone but the uh the thing we're doing in this series is we're taking a look at some of the significant events certainly the people mm -hmm. and often the milestones uh that have led to the larger network and especially in this episode we want to talk about how kind of how that emerged from uh just kind of an organic group of uh, relationships into an actual organization. Yeah. And we're, we're referring to some of these uh, milestones as uh, Ebenezer stones in case somebody missed one yeah. of our previous episodes. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a lovely image in the old Testament. And essentially it's the idea that God was doing all these wonderful things, whether it was, you know, manna from heaven or uh, dividing the red sea or protecting them from some uh, plague and uh, they would get through it and God thought it would be probably important for them to remember that mm -hmm. and so the way he did it in a very practical kind of pedagogy was uh, build some stones right uh, that would remind you of God's saving uh, grace and I've, I've thought at times uh, particularly in a, a desert culture like that uh, Rick that at some point, you know, some father would be walking out with his granddaughter and uh, they would look around. They'd see all these little mounds of stones, mm -hmm. uh, you know, throughout the desert. And, you know, she would probably say, what what is this? What does this represent? Mm -hmm. And it would instantly jog, uh, you know, the grandfather, the grandmother's uh, memory. Oh, well, what this one recalls is when we had, you know, and then fill in the blank. So yeah. I think a bit of what we're trying to do in this podcast is is create some of those Ebenezer stones um, for, you know, many of our local leadership foundations throughout the world to, to be able to remember how God moved and God was faithful and God is moving and yeah. still is faithful to us as we move forward. And of course, th those... Uh those are called monuments and and you know, mm -hmm. the, and this uh, 40 years is monumental. So mm -hmm. it's, it's appropriate that we should do so. And uh, what we want to do is uh, um, kind of continue the conversation. In fact, if you haven't listened to any of these podcasts, we sort of recommend you might want to jump in and listen to, you know, the first uh, three, uh, whenever you're on mm -hmm. a commute or, you know, um, have an opportunity to, to tune in. And then we are extending that conversation as we, uh, we begin to talk about, sort of the emergence of leadership foundations before it was actually uh, uh, any, anything uh, near to what it is as a global movement today. Yeah, yep, absolutely. So we wanna maybe listen or read, and we had a previous conversation where we can kinda hear him uh, you know, begin to articulate uh, sort of how that happened. So let, let's, uh, let's listen in. Yep. 
we had a lot of exciting things going on. And so my peers and young wife, people who had had been in their cities, you know, Bud Ipeman, Chicago, Larry mm-hmm. Lloyd, and Memphis, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, you, you'd come to Pittsburgh to find out, you know, what was going on. That's and, very true. Um, I remember, yeah. And so, you know, you, you know, just kind of walked with us in the trenches and smelled it and went to Mount Washington. And, and then people would go back to their cities and begin to pull some people together to begin to pray and think about what the vision of their city should look like. And a lot of people maybe don't really recognize that, you know, that organization, Young Life, but it's an organization dedicated, you know, obviously to spiritual development um, of young people mm-hmm. because it's called Young Life. But the the thing about Young Life is that uh, all many of you who were in that fellowship group were focusing on a particular high school or a particular demographic. And then what began to happen is you realize that high school is in a city. That's and right. so it kind of, it, it, it sort of emerged from that to th- start thinking about our city, not just our campus, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, the, the short kind of story of that, Rick, was exactly the right. I mean, you'd get out there and Young Life taught you very well what it meant to relationally commit, uh, you know, incarnationally commit to a local high school and mm-hmm. begin to love those kids. And some of them would say yes to Jesus and they'd become a part of a campaigner group and go to camp and all of that was great. Uh, so we did that uh, with uh, a great deal of abandon in mm-hmm. cities. The wrinkle, though, in a city, uh, and I'll give you my own story. As I remember the first kid I met, and uh, you know, he said yes to Jesus. I don't know within the first week of my work there. Uh, all of a sudden, one day, I, in talking with him, discovered that uh, he was uh, in a uh, English class in high school where the prerequisite to get into the class was to read below a fourth grade level. <laughs> and I remember going, okay, I'm not you know, the sharpest knife in the drawer here, but that seems not right, that you would be offering a class at a high school level for people who read below a fourth grade level. So by definition, I became an educational reformer, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if I'm gonna love that kid with any kind of authenticity, I've gotta, I remember this same kid uh, and discovering that his father uh, had been in the Department of Correction System for the better part of 30 years, and they had a broken relationship. Uh, so by definition, I became a prison chaplain. And mm-hmm. you just begin to add role after role. Well, at some point, Young Life, and, and you know, perhaps correctly, I mean, who's to say, said, well, that's, that's not quite what we had in mind when we were putting our organization together. Right, right. And so, a lot of us said, we need a new wineskin. Uh, we need a new place that allows us to actually love that kid, love that family, love that school, but also be able to deal with the systems that are making life difficult for that, that group. Mm-hmm. And so Leadership Foundations really became uh, that, that wineskin. Um, and so we had that background, I think, in those early fellowship days, uh, you know, Rick, that were, were mm-hmm. quite good. The other thing that I think was important, and Reed kind of hints at this, uh, but we had a, a very significant mentor in Leadership Foundations, a guy by the name of Tom Skinner. Mm-hmm. And Tom uh, casts, to this day, a, a very big shadow. But he oftentimes would talk about, uh, you know, don't build a program, build a fellowship, of which, out of that fellowship, you know, programs will come. 
And so I think that Reed had the, the good genius uh, when back in the embryonic days of leadership foundations that were beginning to bubble up, that he didn't try to programatize it or you know make it an organization before its time, mm -hmm. but really created, I think, a, a sweet fellowship. Um, uh, and, and we would show up once a year, and, uh, and more often than not, we would walk away uh, probably more confused because we still mm -hmm. weren't quite sure what exactly it was that we had a hold of. But the fellowship was so sweet, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, yeah. the, the people were so authentic um, that you just found yourself saying, I'm, I'm coming back same time next year as well. Yeah, well, you know, one of the things uh, we teach at the University of Washington is this uh, uh, sort of background on paradigms. And, you know, this is what you're describing is a, you know, a, a paradigm shift, you know, and, and, and I didn't know a lot about that until I started reading uh, Thomas Kuhn is the guy who, who mm -hmm. coined the phrase. And, mm -hmm. you know, his book was called uh, Scientific Revolution because he was saying that once we collect enough anomalies, like in other words, our, our idea, for instance, I'm, I'm just focusing on this high school, but then you begin to say, well, this, somehow this isn't robust enough, mm -hmm. uh, a model to, to also accommodate um, women in leadership, global realities, diversity, uh, poverty, you know, all these yeah. things that you're talking about. And then, you know, so then it's, there's a revolution. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's no small thing when, when you think the sun is at the center of the universe and somebody else thinks the earth is at the center. I mean, this, right. you know, that's quite a bridge. Right. So I think that um, part of your, uh, you know, the fellowship that then began to expand uh, was really this, this paradigm shifting that we're talking about. And, uh, you know, the idea of moving from sort of an informal, you know, collection mm -hmm. of, like you said, just a really great times together mm -hmm. to all of a sudden um, an organization that, you know, that has some kind of a cohesive and adhesive quality that, that looks at some of these, these issues that, are, that yeah. are urban issues, right? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, um, maybe even to, to take what you just said and, and provide even further context. So when we would meet, um, and again, I think this was a part of Reed's genius, um, you know, we would come up and show up and oftentimes our fellowship time was characterized by, you know, Reed would bring in, uh, you know, his latest best Catholic friend. Um, and, you know, for a bunch of young life people, I mean, the notion of sitting for a weekend around a Catholic theologian was, you know, a bit bit mind-blowing right I mean, right yeah I mean, those, Stretch. those those paths did not cross um, but you walked away going hmm so I guess Catholics uh, are really you know like good people mm -hmm. <laughs> love Jesus and you know the the next year uh, a Stefan de Beer you know uh, who from Pretoria South Africa um, and here he's doing it and and so you 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 know we're thinking okay our theology's got to be bigger you know, our global footprint, we've got to take into account cities, mm -hmm. not just in America, uh, mm -hmm. but, but around the world. Uh, the other thing that I, I think Reed did, and, and to this day still does a, a spectacular job, is that there was a kind of vulnerability. I mean, we knew we were up against a vision or, you know, kind of rallying around a vision that was so immense. Uh, it was so big. I mean, the whole idea of like, you know, the whole city, whole leader, you know, making yeah. a better world. I mean, like, come on. <laughs> um, so we, we just, you know, time and time again had failed and failed and failed. And, and Reed, to his credit, um, allowed for that space 
uh, for us for us to show up. And so it was those ingredients, and then and many others as well, Rick, where we began to um, say, okay, if there is going to be an organization um, that is, you know, gonna, you know move us ahead it's got to take those kinds of things into account so and now now there's some phrases that uh, have become kind of common in in some ways to some that you know have been on the journey but uh, mm-hmm. are still packed with all kinds of meaning like community in mission yeah you know yeah it's a it's a phrase that i think carries great weight uh, to it with leadership foundations because again we didn't want to move away from this fellowship, you know, to an organization and not still have a rich fellowship. Right. But we also recognized that if there wasn't some organization attached to this fellowship, um, it probably wasn't going to last very long. And so we were in search of a phrase that really captured that tension. And Mm -hmm. it was actually Jack Fortin, who we've uh, talked to on this uh, podcast before, that began to help us think about, yeah, what you're talking about and what, again, has a deep biblical taproot to it is you're a community in mission. Mm-hmm. Um, you are a community, you're a fellowship that needs to have a big enough vision in order to justify your community. Mm-hmm. Uh, without that vision, uh, it just becomes incestuous and almost yeah. a self-help group. Yeah. On the other side, um, you know, you um, actually need to have a big enough vision um, that actually justifies uh, the community. And if it doesn't then have a community that's attached to it, uh, you know, you are exhausted. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think to live out of that space where we are this community, um, we're uh, committed to one another, we pray for one another, mm-hmm. we do all the things that a, that a fellowship does, but we have a very you know, clear and I think focused mission to move us forward. Yeah, and I love that. You know, I've had a chance to work with Jack a little bit. And uh, you know, sometimes when you're coming into a meeting um, that I've been involved in where there is a, a lot of tasks, a lot of things we're trying to get done here. And uh, the way he starts out uh, the meeting is, uh, uh, who wants to talk about the, the fire in the hallway uh, in their own life? Or, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, there's just, there's mm-hmm. just, uh, you know, there's a, a sort of a recognition that, hey, we're, we're all just in this community. We're, we're together. Yeah. You know, we're going to be honest about what's happening. And now let's attack, you know, whatever the agenda is. And I think this, you need that balance or else it goes, like you said, it, it goes either direction and, uh, you know, it, it it's not. It's not a, yep. it's not leadership foundation. So th- that is, yeah. uh, again, foundational to the LF uh, idea. And then uh, talk to me, you've, you're the one I heard this about, uh, from, but the idea of uh, as Jesus got closer to the cross, you mm-hmm. know, that, tell me about, yeah. a little more about that. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a really uh, interesting uh, uh, discovery maybe for me, you know, as I've tried to spend time in the gospels and probably like all of us became familiar with just a whole host of, uh, of stories that you went back to time and time again. But I begin to notice this trend and the trend essentially, and it's most uh, well articulated or picked up in the book of John, um, is that as, as Jesus nears you know, the cross and we see this arc, um, he's now come to Jerusalem and he's you know, well aware of what is in front of him, mm-hmm. um, that instead of things getting uh, more divided, uh, more, you know, compartmentalized, 
um, that Jesus actually, the, the, the fellowship seems to increase mm -hmm. until by the time you get to John 14, 15, 16, and 17, I mean, you almost sometimes think you're listening to a conversation that's taking place in a bedroom. Yeah, I mean, very... there, there's that kind of softness to the language. And, and so my, my central argument, Rick, was the bigger the vision, the more you need the fellowship, mm -hmm. not the less. Right. And I think most organizations do just the opposite. Um, it's like, you know, if there's not a big task, well, then the fellowship's really fun and, you know, we love the, uh, the coffee hour. But yeah. boy, now we've got work to do and we don't fellowship anymore. Um, and I think a recovery of, nope, actually it's just the opposite. The bigger the vision, the clearer the vision, uh, the more you need that fellowship and to have each other's backs. And that, once again, uh, speaks to the point of our last a podcast, which was uh, having a theology as big as the city. I mean, if you're mm -hmm. if you're looking at uh, trying to change, you know, and 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 work with God, you know, in a city, um, you know, like you said, it, the task is uh, is daunting, and so the community and yep. the fellowship needs to be, um, you know, as important. Now, when we uh, as you emerge from a fellowship group to see you start getting organized, you know, you start having these foundational, um, you know, concepts, community and mission, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the bigger the, you know, the endeavor, the, the more intimate we need to maintain. And, you know, and this network starts to kind of emerge. You, then you decided, uh, let's go ahead and uh, write down a few things here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> right, now we right. have the uh, the LF values, right? Yep. So I was going to go through this little exercise here, and just and I'm going to mention the values, ten values, mm -hmm. and of course values are um, essential compasses, you know, when you're navigating, and and so. But why don't you highlight them? Yeah. And, uh, and, yeah. and maybe just to preface, um, as you talk about these, there were two things that I think again really guided the. Um, development of these. Um, the first was this, this central theological idea that, uh, you know, we are going to be as effective and, you know, as, you know, significant as we stay true to the incarnation. Mm -hmm. And so what does the incarnation, you know, if you took that as a central theological idea, you know, push you towards in terms of just values that you would hold on to? The second piece was something that you've talked about a lot, Rick, and that is, is we don't have to make these up. Let's just look back over our shoulder and look at where our, you know, mothers and fathers kind of, you know, sort of um, circled around. And what were the things that they were talking about, mm -hmm. right? What were the things that they were lifting up so that, in a sense, you know, the values were already embedded there and we were just simply unearthing them and bringing them to, uh, to a level of visibility. Yeah. And, of course, then any... Uh, you know any you know decisions any developments then can be weighed in light of these values and, and yeah. it keeps us tracking so yeah. uh, uh, so I'll just list them right here and then as I mentioned them you just you you know kind of highlight them yeah uh, so community and trust yeah the uh, this came out of an idea um, as it relates to to Martin Luther who talked about you know the gospel if it ever really got loose in this world uh, would everyone become Christian and he had enough Candor just said no, but what would happen is that the quality of trust would grow. And so we, uh, we are always trying to place an emphasis on this idea that it is a community that is trusting one another that is a significant ingredient moving forward. Mm -hmm. And now, generosity and creativity. Yeah, again, we think it's two sides to the same coin, but um, this, this spirit of generosity, um, 
you know, this idea about um, what you have uh, needs to be given away and it needs to be given away, um, you know, in fresh and thoughtful and creative, you know, ways that can help uh, bless each other. And again, these are all um, descriptive of the incarnation. And exactly. So, yeah. so recovery, both uh, in spirituality and humor. Yeah, it's a, it's been an interesting one for us. Um, there, there's a very strong movement, most I think you know exemplified in the AA movement, mm-hmm. um, about a spirituality that's not a muscular spirituality, not a victorious spirituality, but actually a spirituality of recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh, and so AA has been very influential for us because of Sam Shoemaker, and then to do it um, with a sense of humor, um, mm-hmm. and and that I think again sits deep in us uh, in part because of our young life past yeah absolutely and uh man i mean just the whole spirit of lighten up <laughs> it goes a long ways doesn't it yeah, uh, yeah. and then uh people and places yeah i mean the the idea there was that I, I think most organizations would say that they've always valued you know people i mean that's what you're in yeah. kind of the business for but we discovered or recognized the fact that to value a person apart from their place, um, you know, feels like it's a bit of an amputated uh, response. That that if you're serious about people, you'll be serious about places. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that we not only care about the souls of people, but it's also the sewers, you know, in those cities that affect those souls. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean. Even the the phrase the theology of place is a big part of mm-hmm. uh, you know of what uh, LF's about getting things done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it might seem so simple, but um, I, I think you know in leadership foundations um, what we have, have again tried to lift up uh, is that you know there is absolutely a time for prayer and um, talking with one another and fellowshipping, but but let's 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 move let's let's actually um you know get out there and create that health care center you know mentor that kid um and so yeah just a very simple you know if you're gonna if you're gonna be a leadership foundation we're gonna we're gonna say that it's because you want to get things done yeah well and certainly i mean in this uh in the, in the way that we're talking about this the you know if the bible is about redemption uh, the incarnation is the <laughs> You know, is getting it done. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. the vehicle for sure. How about uh, a leadership that serves? Yeah, we uh, again, there's so many leadership models out there. You and I have obviously spent quite a bit of time talking about this with with people, but it's the old uh, you know Greenleaf idea that um, ultimately it's about servant leadership, mm-hmm. and we you know think that if if you are again going to be a leader or about leadership uh, in the leadership foundation, it's going to be leadership that primarily shows up in order to serve others um, mm-hmm. first. That's so true. Uh, how about relationships that bridge? Yeah, I mean, again, we think that the incarnation ultimately is is all about, um, you know, bringing things together, joining mm-hmm. things, building, um, you know, connections rather than separations. Um, and so, you know, this this idea um, is that again, a leadership foundation is always going to be looking uh, for, uh, you know, ways to reconcile, yeah. ways to connect, and that that's 
that's what the incarnation does for us is it connects these disparate parts mm -hmm. of ourselves you know of others uh, in a city and, and brings them together yeah i think about you know the just the classic uh, um you know title emmanuel you know with that with us part yeah i mean that's incarnation yeah and uh, the vulnerable yeah, you know, again, I mean, I just, I would hope that um, nobody would push against this too hard. And I think there's different ways to talk about this. Um, what what I think LF, I mean, obviously we mean by this people who are poor, you know, financially. I mean, that has always been a very important uh, reality for us. Um, you know, those that have been marginalized. Mm -hmm. But I think the word that for us, um, you know, has best captured it is that um, there's just lots of people in this world that find themselves uh, vulnerable mm -hmm. for a whole host of reasons. And those are the people, you know, that we want to lift up. We want to have the things that we do on the ground, getting things done, to have them uh, be the ones that benefit. Yeah. And I think there's too often, Rick, I mean, a lot of work out there in cities and by groups um, and, you know, if you ask the question, who actually benefits here? Um, you, you know, you might sometimes be hard pressed to say it's it's the vulnerable. So, right, right. I mean, we, we are really good at throwing parties for ourselves. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. And, then, you know, I love that phrase, the, the lift up, because I think that, you know, the sometimes the language of scripture is downtrodden. You know, the, the people have been, you know, beat yeah. down. I just love the idea of, you know, evaluating who's being lifted. You know through this so yeah that's great and then yeah. the whole church what do you mean by that the whole church yeah um i mean i i think that this again goes back to the you know conversation we had with ray Bakke and so mm -hmm. many others but um we really sit in cities uh we believe that the incarnation moves us um that it's all parts of the church um it's it's the orthodox it's the catholic it's the pentecostal it's the liturgical it's the high church the low church um that, that every church uh is is a part uh, of this uh, solution moving forward so um again a, a leadership foundation when it's doing good work uh, is in relationship to to all those different uh kind of parts of the church uh so yeah and i mean it's pretty difficult sometimes for those parts of the church to outsource to each other. <laughs> so it's helpful mm -hmm. to have, uh, you know, an organization that, that reminds us of that. And, and also, you know, one of the things that you are, you know, teach me is that out of my tradition, uh, very narrow and, you know, I need some help on this one, but, you know, just the idea of, um, uh, some of the, uh, the thinking uh, through the Catholic church and how that uh, God has given gifts, you know, and orders, Mm -hmm. You know, to see things that way mm -hmm. instead of being, um, you know, a rivalry, but like just a, a different expression. Yeah. You know what God's up to. Yeah. I, I mean, we obviously maybe could even have a podcast at some point about this, but um, Richard Foster's done a lot of work around, you know, this in terms of the, what he calls the, the historical streams of the church from mm -hmm. the sacramental to the holiness to the word centered. Um and what I think he does a really good job of is is articulating the fact that that's their gift, right? right? And uh, and so gifts shouldn't be fighting with one another. Yeah. I mean, and uh, yeah. And so I, I think to be able to kind of sit in that space and uh, say, you know, yeah, I might have a particular, you know, uh, flavor or interest just because of who I am, but in no way does that or should that diminish, you know. 
that gift across the street that happens to express it in a different way. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah, I can't imagine being, uh, you know, Christmas and having gifts under the tree and not opening all of them. Come on, <laughs> let's open them all. Right, right. I like that. And then a third way, the third way. The third way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this one is, uh, again, I, I think we could do a whole podcast on it, Rick. Um, I mean, I've, I've said to people many times that it was G.K. Chesterton uh, who, in reflecting on the person of Christ, uh, talked about the fact that he lived in what he called the extreme middle, mm-hmm. uh, that that was his radicalness. Um, he was neither all the way to the left or all the way to the right. And I, I've oftentimes said that I think that captures uh, leadership foundations theologically. Uh, we live in this extreme middle, or what you know here in our value statement I was described as the third way. I mean, we're always in this world of you know kind of bifurcation and dichotomous thinking. Uh, I mean, the it's it just it's just like really. And so I think you know again the incarnation just by its very nature of you know, humanity and divinity, you know, coming mm-hmm. together um, shows us that there's a third way. And and that, I think, is sitting with a lot of really contentious, maybe even at times intractable issues and saying, you know, might there be a different way to frame this or to think about this mm-hmm. that can get us moving, right? That can get us down the road a little bit further. And, uh, and again, I, I want to be careful and say that I am absolutely and, and utterly you know, convinced um, that, uh, you know, people have some really strong positions about some issues that, that probably feel like life and death to them. Uh, but I have a, I have a friend uh, who oftentimes talk about having, you know, ontological conviction and epistemological humility. Um, and I, and I, I like that phrase. It's the notion of I, I can be convinced about some things that are, you know, just make me kind of who I am. But can I not also maybe have a little bit of humility as it relates to how I interpret things, mm-hmm. you know, in the midst yeah. of my conviction. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's so true. And I think the, uh, uh, the idea of realizing that, you know, that, uh, the, the incarnation is not just, you know, uh, two simple realities becoming a third, but it's just mystery. You know, mm-hmm. even that, mm-hmm. even the the willingness to accommodate mystery is is I think one of the things that the third way invites us to. Yeah, you know? and yeah. uh, and that I, that's exciting. Now, when um, you know we look at these uh, um, these values, you know, we we begin to see this development uh, beyond just a fellowship, but like you said, uh, you know, an actual you know theology of the incarnation that 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 drives the values, and then begins to define this organization. Now, what I love is this statement that you made, which I will borrow and quote you, uh, and you'll have to, you know, deal with that, but <laughs> is the, the, the idea that, that this organization is uh, defined then by its center and not its borders. Yeah. Talk about that. Yeah. I mean, um, I, again, this will be a little bit overly simplistic, but I think for the sake of, of the uh, of the conversation right now, most organizations, I mean, two paths, you know, diverge in the woods. Um, one, I think, is that you kind of double down on, you know, kind of your borders. Um, you know, you become um, very clear about, you know, kind of who's in, who's out, uh, who has the company card. Uh, oftentimes, those borders are made up of, do you 
believe exactly the same thing that, that I do? Do you take the same position I have with regard to the body politic? Are you, you know, mm-hmm. on yeah. and on. Um, and I think organizations oftentimes spend a lot of money and energy and effort um, around those borders, guarding those borders. Um, the other way, I think, to th- organize an organization is not by its borders, but by its center. Uh, in other words, what are those core values? What mm-hmm. What is that mission that allows all of us to sit with it? And now, uh, you know, organizations, people and men can get as close or stay as far away from that center as they want. Um, and I think it's that space, Rick, that uh, that Elif has really tried to work hard at. Um, you know, we're, again, you know, to go back to the quote uh, that Romanita Harrison, my friend, talked about, you know, we're ontologically convinced about this gift that God's given us with regard to who we are. You mm-hmm. know, we see the city as a playground, um, not a battleground. We're not going to we're not going to change our mind about that. Right. We're not going to say, oh, well, you know, maybe there is a bit. Yeah. No, so we're ontologically convinced. But we're, you know, epistemologically humble about how that is interpreted always, mm-hmm. what that looks like in different cities. And so it allows, again, you know, I think people to expand and collapse around that. And it, it just, I mean, just as an aside, you know, as the president of the organization, I mean, I'm just, you know, so much more relaxed, you know, I mm-hmm. have so much more energy in me knowing I just got to be true to the core sure. uh, and let the borders take care of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that, uh, uh, I had a guy, uh, who does some work in Hollywood saying, uh, that, you know, it's the, the screenplay is a bigger deal than the costume and makeup, you know? And so, mm-hmm. you know, that's what you guys mm-hmm. are, that's what you're reflecting. And I think, you know, we have all kinds of different, uh, costumes, you know, and, yeah. and all kinds of different uh, expressions, but it's the center that, that defines us. And certainly the core values reflect the center yeah. and then, you know, the incarnation yeah. you know, informs the center. So, yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's so important. And, and, uh, and also a lot of people, Dave might be thinking that we're adding some tricky urban soundtrack, you know, <laughs> to this, to try to make us seem like we're in, we care about the city. Right. No, but we produce this in the city. <laughs> so every uh, bus, every siren, you know, every, they're all, every sound, they're, they're, they're the real there. deal. Yeah. 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 Well, if you have any, uh, uh, questions or info or recommendations or, uh, input, you can always email us at info at leadership And, uh, we are happy to have you, uh, be a part of our, ongoing and unfolding uh, episodes uh, at the podcast here. So thank you, Dave. Thank you, Rick.